0: So as I've uh, laid out for you, the president of the United States is with the rest of the globalists who are uh, demanding an end to not just coal, but all fossil fuels. I've been playing this for a long time, but it really kind of kind of brings it home when you see the uh, the international climate conference going on right now in the United uh, Arab Emirates. Uh, When Joe Biden said this, he wasn't speaking for himself. He was speaking for all the globalists. You don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate with you, okay? Yeah, that's what he said, and that's what he meant, and they're working on that right now. COP 28 is what they are calling this United Nations uh, climate action conference in the uae and they are targeting exactly what joe biden just said joining us now is somebody who's going to he would not be welcome uh... in that building by the way he would not be welcome on that stage and he probably also wouldn't want to waste the uh... jet fuel to fly out there privately privately like they all did he is a climate research expert Uh, the executive director of the Climate Science Coalition of America, the author of four books on energy, climate change, and sustainable development, with over 100,000 copies in print. His latest book is Green Breakdown, The Coming Renewable Energy Failure. It came out on August 1st, and uh, Steve Gorham is that author. He joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Steve, good to talk to you again. How are you, sir?
1: Hey, Bob. Great to join you again. I'm doing well and uh, observing the COP28, the 28th Conference of the Parties. They've been doing this since 1995 now. And uh, it used to be they had about 5,000 people attend these events. This year it's over 70,000 delegates that have flown in (laughs) on private jets and commercial aircraft. And then they take uh, limos or they take taxis to the expo center and yeah. it's just uh, it is it is literally the biggest carbon dioxide emitting event globally for the year <laughs> that is an irony
0: it is it's comical is what it is because uh, i think the whole thing is a comedy except for the fact that it is so serious in terms of its impact so steve you and i told everybody <clears throat> if they did not yet see it it'll continue to rerun on the true blue channel uh our hour-long plus interview that we did on this uh on uh for the television side so, we have a shorter yep. time today, so we want to dive right into the facts of the situation, uh, and I want to cover a little bit about what you and I covered on the uh, the hour long version but but like i said okay. we 'll we'll try, we'll try to uh, uh, move through it a little bit more more quickly. Tell me about carbons you, you, uh, they got to all fly out there separately, each one in their own jet, and uh, it flies in the face of their carbon is killing the planet argument, but carbon isn't killing the planet anyway. You explained this very well when we spoke before. Give us the thumbnail version of what carbon, the the impact of carbon on the Earth really is.
1: Well, it is. And since 1950, the world has embarked on uh, a great crusade to reduce pollution, air and water pollution, and we've done much of that. In the U.S., uh, pollution is down a combined 70 percent the major pollutants, according to the EPA, since 1980. Uh, what comes out of the tailpipe of your car, the volatile organic compounds are down 98%. We've done a great job with all of that. But the world has gotten off track, and the world has said, well, we we think carbon dioxide is a pollutant because it causes dangerous warming. And so they are now on a crusade and have been for about three or four decades now to try and eliminate carbon dioxide, and that is, is way off base. It's uh, one of the three elements or compounds in the world that is essential for life. The others, you know, oxygen and water vapor, or water, and so we, we're we're now the world is trying to get to a thing called net zero by 2050. At least the wealthy parts of the world: United States, Europe, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and some other nations. And they want to get rid of all coal, oil, and natural gas, replacement with wind, solar, and biofuels. But this is. Uh, you know, this is more than a than a reach-out goal. This is an impossible dream. It's not going to happen, and we are going to have a green breakdown. And we're already seeing signs of that around the world in many areas. That that this uh, this uh, this crazy drive uh, is going to going to fall apart. Nevertheless, we have uh, seventy thousand believers in in uh, uh, Dubai, United Arab Emirates, right now. Excuse me. Right. That are, uh, that are trying to push this and, as you say, uh, cut out meat for everybody and get rid of all, all uh, oil and gas and do a lot of other things.
0: Yeah, specifically they're targeting, it seems like at least in, in the recent days, coal. Um, of course, and we're going to talk about oil, we're going to talk about petrol yeah. products and what that means, but specifically they're talking about coal, which is uniquely ignorant in my view. <clears throat> I'm not a climate expert the way you are, but I, you and I have spoken enough that I think I can say it. It is uniquely ignorant because of the amount of coal that would be necessary to power this massive electrical expansion and movement that they want to do. But listen to what John Kerry said yesterday about this. You going to be
1: transitioning out of coal. There shouldn't be any more coal-fired power plants permitted anywhere in the world. That's how you can do something for health no more coal-fired
0: power plants permitted anywhere in the world. Steve, can you can you give us some kind of an understanding of yep. what that would do to the ability to create electricity unless we and you and I've talked about this, unless they fully embrace nuclear power to power, you know, uh, elect, uh, the electrical grid, what would it be like if we literally stopped building coal and not only stopped building coal-fired power plants, but I think they said destroy the ones that exist? now what yeah. would that do to us
1: yeah, well it's absolutely ridiculous we have today coal is the biggest producer of electricity worldwide uh, there are 4,000 coal-fired power plants in the world and there are about a thousand that are either in planning or, or being built across the world and we still have a tremendous electricity deficit we have 700 million people that don't have access to electricity We have hundreds of hospitals in in the poor nations of the world that don't have electricity, and I can't even imagine that. Imagine hospitals with no air conditioning, no electricity for operating rooms. Uh, So in addition to the 700 million people that don't have electricity, we have about 2 billion people that have blackouts every day or every other day. So uh, uh, more than a third of the world's people does not have adequate electricity, and, and Mr. Kerry wants to go get rid of all of those coal plants and thinks he can replace them with wind and solar, which is was just absolutely impossible. It, it's clear, Mister Kerry, uh, Climate Envoy Kerry, does not want to have does not want the poor nations of the world to have electricity. I mean, that is that is the logical result of what he is pushing. And uh, but but there is not much logic in this in this whole drive uh, for climatism, uh, the fear of man made warming. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and when you say climatism, <clears throat> it's important. I used that word earlier because I kind of got it from you. I, I call it a pseudoscience or 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 whatnot, but it, but it is climatism, which is different than climate science because this is not science. Let's talk about the actual reality of what their claims are that we are warming. That uh, that we are you know, and again, we've talked about and people have been all over the all over the country for the last few decades. The different, oh, well, it's going to freeze. No, it's going to yeah. melt us. It's 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 always one or the other. But right now. They, they're calling it climate change. That covers them, whether they predict uh, a freeze, a new ice age, or whether they predict uh, the melting of the planet. But right now it's all about warming and this increase in 1.5 degrees uh, of, of, uh, of average uh, surface temperature or climate uh, temperature. They're saying that's going to essentially wipe out humanity, and it's going to cause death, destruction, and the end of the world as we yep. know it. Can you talk about specifically, is yeah. this planet warming, and, and what evidence do you have if you say no?
1: well we are war- the planet is warming we've had a gentle warming uh, since 1880 but the warming's not very big it's about 1 degree celsius or 2 degrees fahrenheit in 140 years uh, that's about what we experience every day between 9 and 10 in the morning so it's not a it's not a big issue nevertheless we have these headlines there was a scientist put out a study in July and he claimed July was the hottest month in 120,000 years uh, that That is flat-out wrong, and I'll give you some data in a moment. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the United Nations uh, put out headlines that the era era of global boiling has arrived. I mean, all these things that are just crazy. But if you look back at history, you find out, first, that there were many periods that were multi-centuries long over the last 10,000 years then when it was warmer than today, naturally warmer. A thousand years ago, when the Vikings settled southwest Greenland and, and formed a colony at Havasi, Uh, They had trees on southwest Greenland that were 20 feet high. Today, there are nothing there but scrub grasses. Uh, Another example is the Mendenhall Glacier uh, up by Juneau. And the Mendenhall Glacier has been receding for more than a century. Uh, They were putting, uh, environmental groups were putting up pictures in airports showing how the glacier had shrunk. And they were implying that people were causing it. But a bunch of scientists from Southwest Ala- Southeast Alaska University went down into ice caves under the glacier about eight years ago, and they found uh, tree stumps with roots still in the ground, and not one, but they found many, and they radiocarbon dated those and found they were a thousand years old. So where we have a glacier today, a thousand years ago we had a forest. It was naturally warmer a thousand years ago than it is today. And that is just one. And, and, and a
0: thousand years ago, just just to be clear, did we have did we have SUVs rolling around a thousand years ago <laughs> that warmed the planet at that time?
1: Well, absolutely not. And and uh, the, uh, geologists can go back uh, into Earth's past. We have about four hundred parts per billion per million in the atmosphere today of carbon dioxide, about four molecules in every ten thousand. But it was uh, six or seven or eight times higher. Uh, in Earth's uh, uh, past, and and that was during ice ages. So so even the whole idea that carbon dioxide is controlling global temperatures probably isn't right. Nevertheless, we have the world spending a trillion dollars a year uh, trying to stop the planet from warming, and the ideology of of climatism has taken over all our governments and and uh, and all of our policy. But this is going to break down. That is the good news. The bad news is it's going to be a lot of pain for everybody to make to for this to happen.
0: Well, yeah, that's a, that's exactly right. And you know, again, I want to go to the alarmists who continue to say, "Look, if we don't," you know, they ignore all of the evidence you just pointed out about natural warming and natural refreezing and the climate regulating itself and the planet regulating itself over the course of eons. Uh, those who say, nope, this is man-made, and it is being caused, and it's 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 going to kill people. That this warming, this 1.5 degrees, if it goes up, it's going to kill people. It's going to create drought, famine, and everything else. Um, you've got statistics that show you are mu- we are in much more danger of mass casualties if it gets too cold than we are if it warms up a little bit, right?
1: Well, it is, absolutely. And I like to ask audiences when I pre- present, which do you think is is more detrimental to people, cold weather or warm weather. And most of them get it right. They say cold weather. And, uh, you know, our flu seasons are uh, during the winter months from, from October to uh, March in the northern hemisphere. They're during the winter months in the south hemisphere. Uh, if you check all the nations and when they had the most COVID cases, everyone I've checked so far, which is more than 15, had more COVID cases occur during cold months. Uh, in every nation of the world, more people die during cold months than warm months. I mean, these, these are all data, and hundreds of papers support these sort of things. And by the way, where do people retire? They all go to uh, uh, Nova Scotia, right, and Saskatchewan, and North Dakota. No, they, they go south when they retire. Aren't they foolish? Don't they know that warm climates are dangerous, as our government tells us? I mean, this is completely beyond any kind of common sense. Uh, But it's all there to try and justify the elimination of coal, oil, natural gas, and and the changing of your life in many ways.
0: We are talking, if you just turned us on this morning, with uh, Steve Gorham. Steve is a climate researcher and expert, the executive director of the Climate Science Coalition of America. And he is responding to uh, COP28, the 28th uh, annual Uh, climate conference this one's being held in the UAE and they're all getting together to tell us how we have to give up all of our fossil fuels Steve can you speak to what this country this world would look like if we gave up all petrochemical created products what would it look like
1: well yeah we could use the example of the the folks at cop 28 they've all flown there in in their jets and, by the way, there are people in, in uh, France right now who wants to limit flights over your lifetime um, to only four, four commercial flights. Yeah. But all of the conference attendees at COP28 have cell phones, which are made from plastic, which is made from oil and natural gas. They're all wearing suits and ties and shoes and other clothing. Most, most of that is composed of synthetic fibers that come from hydrocarbons. They're going to dine on food. Is produced on farms that use synthetic nitrogen fertilizer that was uh, created from ammonia and produced from natural gas or coal fuels. And by the way, those uh, farms are typically farmed with uh, diesel tractors. Uh, everything we do is driven by. And by the way, all of our medicine is the same way. Our medicines and our medical supplies, artificial joints and pipettes, and all the plastics that we use in medicines. Hydrocarbons drive our modern society. And there's no way we're going to be able to get rid of these or, or ban them. Um, uh, the ideology just is going to break down as we go forward here.
0: Um, are there petrochemicals in the creation of rubber?
1: I believe there are. It, it depends on the, the type of rubber, I think. Um, I'm just wondering
0: if we're going to be able to have tires for these electrical electric vehicles anymore, <laughs> if we're going to have to go back to wagon wheels.
1: Yeah, well, the bodies of... Uh, the bodies of cars, are, much of them are, are materials that are made from hydrocarbons. Hydrocarbons drive just, just many, many different things uh, in our society, and, and saying we could get rid of them just ignores ignores. I like to put up a picture. It's in my book as well, Green Breakdown. There, are, uh, there was an event about uh, uh, 2020 or, or 2018 where they were moving a oil derrick from Seattle Harbor up to the north coast of Alaska, and the oil derrick was parked in Seattle, and so all these kayakers came out to protest this oil derrick being there. And they were all in—they uh, were in paddling jackets made of plastic, and they were in—they uh, had personal flotation devices on made of nylon and foam, and they had uh, uh, boats made of carbon fiber composite. I mean, everything they were wearing, including their signs, was made out of a hydrocarbon, and they were there pro- protesting hydrocarbons. So. I mean, you, you get all these crazy things that go on, and, and, and people just don't have any kind of uh, connection in their mind on this.
0: No, they don't. Um, and, and these stop oil uh, idiots just have no idea. As they are li- literally out there uh, gluing themselves to the ground, you're gluing yourself with something that is made of partially from petrochemicals. I mean, you, you, you wouldn't be able to do all of the things that you're doing right now. Let me go back to the the supply of energy and you talked about how much uh in in fact give me that number again approximately what percentage of the world's energy and electricity rather comes from oil and natural gas
1: yeah well that's another thing about this conference you know we've had now 28 years of climate conferences and the question is what has it done um the first thing is that carbon dioxide continues to rise. There's absolutely no change in in atmospheric levels of carbon dioxide. I personally think that's driven by natural factors, but the conference and, and the climate movement has had no effect on that. And then we talk about energy, energy, global energy consumption has tripled since 1965. It is, uh, it's accelerated since the year 2000. And, uh, and then if you look at the we, – we, the world has spent about uh, $5 trillion in the last two decades on renewables and to try and move away from oil and gas and coal. But in 2021, according to the International Energy Agency, uh, we're still getting 81% of our energy globally from uh, coal, oil, and natural gas. and that's the same as it was in 1999. So all of these measures, this conference can be regarded as pointless, can be regarded as as futile. It's really not having any effect on on the climate or energy use. Uh, And, again, coal, oil, and natural gas just provide tremendous power, density, tremendous benefits versus uh, the the, uh, dilute renewables that we're trying to replace them with.
0: So if they... If they mandate this, uh, you know, 50% of the automobiles in the United States, and I don't know if this is going to be worldwide. Again, they're trying to do everything at a global level. But if they mandate 50% of the vehicles that are currently um, uh, internal combustion engines convert to electric car batteries, and then they also get rid of all of the fossil fuels that they're they are, uh, talking about, is it even possible, Steve, for... Um, wind power and solar power to make up all of that deficit and provide all of the electricity for all of the things we currently use it for and power the coming vehicle electric vehicle revolution is it even possible for solar and wind to do that
1: no it is isn't and there are many studies on that one done by the New England ISO uh, independent system operator which controls electricity for the New England states the states that are east of New York Uh, There are six of them up there. They all have goals to be 80% uh, renewable by 2040 or 2050. And the New England ISO did a study and said even if they build out the electrical system three times more capacity than they typically need, so they build triple the capacity with wind, solar, and batteries, they would still have 15 blackout days a year and 35 days that were at risk for blackouts. They basically said, we don't know how to do this. We don't know how to do this with intermittent renewables. And so there are many, many examples uh, of that. And, uh, you know, if we push forward with this, we're going to start seeing electricity blackouts. And uh, and this doesn't even count the idea that we're going to all switch to electric vehicles and there'd be a tremendous demand there. We're going to get rid of gas stoves and go to heat pumps. There'd be an additional tremendous demand there. Uh, the grid is just not going to be able to supply this.
0: Uh, Steve Gorham is our guest. I hear the music. That means we're short on time here, Steve. This is just a very superficial scratching um, uh, of this issue. Uh, But last question will be, the the United States and North America as a continent are rife with oil and natural gas and coal. We are not rife with lithium and cobalt and manganese and nickel and graphite and copper. Um, There are other countries around the world that are, and they are all run or controlled in this endeavor by China. What would it do to the United States if China, uh, the communist nation of China, which is an absolute geopolitical enemy of the United States, or at least an adversary, um, was in control of all of the things we need to power the non-fossil-fueled future of the United States?
1: Right. We are the biggest producer of of, uh, oil and natural gas in the world. We export it. Um, but our our leaders say, hey, we're going to get rid of all that, and we want to go to electric vehicles. And uh, so we're in the electric vehicle batteries. the The uh, ores are done in uh, developing nations, and then most of those are processed in China. So, so the idea is great. We're going to go become dependent on China and get rid of all our coal, oil, and natural gas. <laughs> I mean, this is a high schooler could figure out that this is a poor policy. Yeah. But our political leaders don't seem to be able to do that.
0: No, no. Well, they don't because they don't care. And it's not about health and it's not about, you know, uh, uh, deaths and it's not about actual climate. It's about power and it is about keeping uh, the people under the, uh, the boot heel, if you will, of an overarching global governance. At least that's the way I'm seeing it. And the fact that they won't even talk to you, you wouldn't be welcome on that stage to discuss all of these facts because they can not refute them. That tells you all you need to know about what their agenda looks like. Steve Gorham, Executive Director of the Climate Science Coalition of America. What's the website, Steve?
1: Uh, SteveGorham.com, G-O-R-E-H-A-M.com. I'll send them a signed copy of uh, Green Breakdown if they go there. Uh, They can also get it at Amazon, and there are e-books available as well.
0: Steve, uh, stay by your petroleum-based phone, because I'll be reaching out to you on a regular basis as we continue to debunk all of this nonsense. Uh, We certainly appreciate your time.
1: Thank you. Talk to you again.
0: All right. That's Steve Gorham uh, from the Climate Science Coalition of America. That's reality. Those are facts. I asked him on the TV show when I interviewed him uh, for Strictly Speaking. um, Why you know what they say when he presents these facts to them. And he said they won't let me present them. They won't debate me. They run screaming for the hills whenever he says, hey, let's have a conversation about this because they can not refute the real science.